covering all your favorite parts of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast with Zach Heilman and Jim Bernier. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Wednesday Rewind post-blackout edition, Thursday edition of Inside the Walls podcast. We'll get to that to a second. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I am Jim Merlier, alongside me, my partner in crime, 900 miles away in the lovely state of Indiana, Zach Kyle. And also not dealing with storms, apparently. You, you know, I, I got a feeling that after this past week, I think that I think that just the uh, weather went nuts in your area, knowing that we had to talk about the uh, miraculous and somewhat uh, insane upset weekend that something you ran that, into. Something that I kind of predicted one, the other game we didn't predict at all, um, it's, we mentioned it before last week, ladies and gentlemen, that we wanted some chaos. So j- late June, July, the battle between the two final playoff seeds where it's going to be, we're week 14 and we're finally making the decision this week made that our hope almost reality. It's almost there. Albany still has a chance to pull themselves back up, but San Antonio made everything get a little tired same with columbus uh, but yeah welcome ladies and gentlemen to episode 49 of inside the walls podcast wednesday rewind thursday edition um week eight review of the national arena league and oh can't get in to start breaking down games we got to get where you can find us ladies and gentlemen find us on twitter facebook instagram and on the national arena league's website itself nationalarenaleague.com forward slash videos also, subscribe to our YouTube page at, at YouTube's forward slash. Well, we don't have our own URL yet, but inside the walls, look at some YouTube like, subscribe. It builds morale. And if we get 100 subscriptions, which we're 16 away, one of you, our good listeners, will receive two tickets to an NAL game of your choosing. If not, if the NAL team is nowhere near your home, you might get a hat of your team, but you will get NAL gear in the process of our contest year long regular season. If it does get into the playoffs, we will still try and figure something out. But once we get a hundred subscriptions, one of you will get two tickets to an NL game or a hat of your favorite team in the national ring. But let's go, go, go ahead. I, I go was going to say, if you get to hundred subscribers too, we get that custom URL. So then we can tell you where to go find us. So you help us out. We help you. You help. get to go to a football yeah. game yourself and a, a friend, of course. But help yeah, I me mean, help you. Help me yeah. help you. Well, <laughs> you, go, you get to go to one of six NAL regular season games. You just got to right. help us a little. You know, scratch, scratch our back. We scratch yours. You know, Capiche, you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Help us out. You know, it's kind of like how some of these upsets kind of help some teams out this week. You know, yeah. made it made, you know what it did to help us out. It helped us uh, get a little more of a insane and kind of a, an entertaining race for these uh, four out of six playoff seeds. Yeah. Jesus. It, the shakeup, the shakeup, man. It's not really a crazy shakeup, but it's a chaotic shakeup. The two top teams fell to the pack a little bit. The middle, the muck. That was Columbus and Jacksonville moved up. And San Antonio is like, hey, we're now only two games out of a playoff position. That's huge. Yet the record's what it is. 
We know they have a losing record, but a lot of San Antonio fans out there, including one of our loyal listeners, Phil, with the Smoking Guns podcast, they're happy to see a crooked digit in the first column yes. of their uh, record. Um, one in five, still big time upset. See, I was really excited to talk about this game yesterday. The Mother Nature's like, you know, we're going, we're going not just take out your internet service, we're going to take out your cell phone service in your area. Therefore, you can't do your show inside your house. You can't do it on your own cell phone and freaking outside your house. You have to go to a new location somewhere in the city that's 5G connection. And push, push that thought back a little bit. Give you an extra yeah. day to co- yeah. compile everything. And I was like, you know what? You know what? Hopefully it gets comes back on. Then we get the dreaded email um, via our cell phone sometime middle of the night. So our, your service will be reactivated by the end of the business day of the 15th. Well, it's past the end of the business day on the 15th, and we still don't have any internet. So um, thank you, Mother Nature. But anyways, I was so excited to talk about this because I predicted the upset. You, you did. did not. I did um, not. A lot of other people who covered the National Arena League predicted the upset. Everyone who's watched San Antonio over the last couple of weeks have seen the improvement of the organization, has seen them get better each and every week. I just, you know, decided to pull the trigger last week and say they were going to pull off the upset. I did not expect that San Antonio was going to control this entire game from beginning to roughly around the 12-minute the mark in the fourth quarter. San Albany did get a lot of scores at the end of the game. We, as football fans, will call them as garbage touchdowns. They really weren't going to determine the fact of the game. San Antonio had enough of a cushion lead. So the final score was nothing near to what the game was. I was very impressed. And one thing I've noticed early in game, I made a comment on the chat and had a good interaction with our viewers who messaged me and said they love the show. Thank you. Appreciate it. Hello, YouTubers. Um, they said, I mentioned the comments like, San Antonio is winning the line of scrimmage battle in the first quarter. They did. And it was very, it feels like, oh, you're not, you don't, you know what you're talking about. I'm like, no, watch the line of scrimmage battle. They're winning on both sides of the ball. That is going to be a determining factor in this game. And sure enough, that line of scrimmage just dominated the entire game. Both sides of the ball, the guys playing both offense and defense, it was getting on to San Antonio. It seemed like it was getting on to Albany. Albany seemed like they were not get, not happy getting hit. They seemed that they were sluggish. It looked like they were going through the motion. Sam Castronova didn't look good in the first quarter. Warren Smith Jr. came in, kind of got San Antonio back in, uh, into the, uh, excuse me, got Albany back into the mix. And But San Antonio answered every single time. And that was over the last couple of weeks, Zach. That's what we've seen. San Antonio and Jacksonville, San Antonio a couple weeks ago against Orlando and a couple weeks ago over that against Carolina, you saw the progression as they were getting better. And it finally came to a, a pivotal point against Albany and they continue it. Um, the energy in that arena, um, biggest crowd they've had at a San Antonio football uh, gunslingers game in franchise history. From what I've had conversations with the production of the game. Great. The announcer crew. Great. We're not going to talk about penalties and bull crap. We're talking about the overall experience in Freeman Coliseum. Okay. I'm I mean, about the yeah, 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 there are. It situations. was pretty. I mean, I'm going to put it out here because I, I want, I, I'm not going to leave this conversation without talking. Albany lost because they didn't play well, and I'm going to oh, put yeah. it out there. But I've had too many people talk to me that it's National Arena League has an exception for 
its level of re- of just officiating. And I've had enough. I'm going to lay it down the line. Guys, expect better. I'm just saying, stop accepting mediocrity. Okay? Are you running for president or something? <laughs> Maybe I am. I, I, I'm just hey. saying, though. I had one too many people be a little too okay with this this weekend. And I went, that's not good. You know? Well, I'm just... There are questionable calls in that game, and there was questionable calls league-wide. I just want—I just look at San Antonio and compare it to their last home game against Columbus, night and day. It was definitely sped up; like it, yes. it didn't seem like it was stop and start. I'm—I'm I'm just. I know my thing is too when I when I when you have someone go great win, mm-hmm. too bad the officiating wasn't up to snuff. Yeah. I—I I, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, like, like they're like we we could talk about it a little bit. Uh, there's like an ejection in the game in San Antonio. Only that one was player got ejected. Dis- that was also disappointing. As yeah. much and I it was weird because like I had to stop because it was the broadcast kind of like blacked out for a yeah. second. I'm like, what's going on? And then it comes back like, so we just had this. There happen. was a we just had the brawl. I'm, I'm like, like what? all right. <laughs> and from and from the San Antonio people I've talked to, and the ejection happened apparently. Um, a San Antonio player swung an Albany player and he got injected, but the instigator, I don't know who it was in Albany, didn't get a flag or anything. If uh, that type of situation happens, I've, I do, I yell about this in the NFL, in college football. Mm-hmm. If someone Good. swings at somebody, both of them are out there because they're both in the fault. Like, these are grown ass men, excuse me, grown men playing football. They get, you know, emotions and yeah, the energy is there. And they get frustrated. If someone swings at somebody, it's because someone else is doing something. It's just, oh, no, it's not like, oh, I'm going to tag it, get hit. Oh, coach, he did something. Like, are we going to literally do the, the classic LeBron James flop every time someone touches me in the NAL? Like, like there were situations that game, and there were some in the Jacksonville game. I'm like, yeah. um, like, are we calling this? And it's like you, like a lot of NAL fans, for me, I've just come to realization, like you're getting tired of people. So it's the NAL. It's just, to me, it's just very inconsistent on both sides of the football on inner team on any given night. Mm-hmm. It's never the same crews on these, at these going with these games, it's always a, like a throw together crew. Um, but it's work in progress, but did the referees, in my opinion, based on the people from Albany's point of view, from the chats, yeah. Were they the reason why Albany lost to San Antonio? No. No. San Antonio. San Antonio outplayed. Not at all. Like not, not at freaking all, dude. I mean, they even if I were to take take away like the only one that comes to mind that I, I'm just gonna go off that is that whole Wade catch situation where it's on the side, you know, he gets uh the ball gets knocked out by a fan and somehow that wasn't the catch. Nonetheless, that was a catch. That was a it, catch. Was, it was. <laughs> it's clear catch. That's why I'm not trying to stay on a two on. Yeah, I want, I'm. I'm moving forward now. We're that's that's my get out of the way. Had to get off. Yeah, the but top that catch wasn't a head. determination of the game. Oh no, no, that's what I'm trying to tell you. And yeah. I'm just saying, like the whole that whole point on the officiating just this weekend for that. I wanted to, that's just something I want to get off my chest real quick. We're moving on now. That that's all I'm putting down. Nonetheless, here's the deal. Albany falling into some starting to fall into some patterns. I'm noticing here. And it's kind of disturbing for, for a few reasons. The offense, look, Darius Prince is your big weapon, but you can't target just Darius Prince. You have to diversify the portfolio, as I have stated. And they started, out the, game, they, they started out the game pretty smooth. They had Aaron Washa 
out there. He was the mm-hmm. first TD of the game for Albany. I was like, okay, great. He's getting more involved. That's how you should do it. You know, like I said, Wade's able to get passes as well. I don't know if it's just Antoine Grant was that big and that with him gone, things have just slowed down that much. I mean, Grant's and great. Dangerfield. Yeah, I mean, Dangerfield too. But Grant, Grant, when he was in, was excellent. He was the perfect number two for Darius. And I think, you know, you saw it against Columbus. You see it more so now, you know, if they can't get Prince going, if he can't be involved actively, it's almost like the offense kind of clunks along, dinks and dunks it. Every now and then you'll get a play. Sometimes then it stalls or it'll lose a drive. It's not, it's not getting, it's not crisp, you know? Yeah. And sure. We, we know Albany fans know Tommy Grady. It's hard to replace Tommy Grady. You know, Grady was able to diversify the portfolio really well. Philip Burnett obviously was on that roster last year, too. They're probably feeling it after what, after some of the mm-hmm. stuff he did this week against them. There's, a, like I said, that pattern, a little disturbing. Defensively, they're a little overmatched. Um, give, give the gunslingers credit and give that new ownership a bunch of credit. They've been making moves. They have been stabilizing that roster as you and I have both talked. And I know it's funny. I, I was the one that picked the Albany to win this week, of course, but give them credit, man. They have the pieces now to where it's like, we can, we can take on anybody, you know, we're able to hang tough. We have folks that offensively can kill you in many faceted ways. Robert Kent's getting more comfortable behind the pocket yeah. and defensively. They made some stops this week that I was like, all right, way to go. Gunslingers defense, stepping it up. That's a great start. And you, not only is that a great start just to get your first win, but in a win in front of a home crowd that's been getting advertised now for well over a month. A month. Yeah. It's the biggest crowd they've had that, you, I mean, you can say it, and I would have to guess based on their history since they've been a, a team. Mm-hmm. And it was arguably, I've heard, possibly bigger than their free ticket giveaway crowd. And that's nice. That's a good start to get this yeah. franchise on the on the right track. I mean, yeah, Albany fans, you know, you got to feel bad for the loss, but like league in terms of league status, it does feel good for that sense to have your sixth and new franchise have a good night. Kudos to the gunslingers. I got to give them props, man. They did a great job. I think it's a like it. We didn't want to approach it last week, but I made a comment that we had a couple people reach out to us. Um, especially from the Northern Territory of the NAL. I said, this is a big trap game for San Antonio, uh, for Albany. Don't overlook San Antonio for Carolina rematch. I think they were looking ahead to Carolina and took the L. You did and, say that, and I give and, you props for it for sure. And, and I, it's because I saw how they played against Columbus. I saw how they played against Carolina, and I'm like, you're walking wounded. You got to go on a long road trip to San Antonio, and then you got to go Carolina again. Crucial top hope to try and go after number one seed or number two seed. Now is you you're in a position now where you got to have to win these games to even be in consideration of the number two seed or how everything's getting closer. You can make the top four um, because now if you look at the standings, ladies and gentlemen, Orlando, Jacksonville. Columbus and Albany are separated by one game. Mm-hmm. That's how critical that win was for San Antonio. And San Antonio is only two games out of the four spots. So technically, they're only two and a half, almost two and a half or three games from second place in the NAL. So things can switch this second half of the season. And I can't wait because it's going to be 
chaotic. And it's kind of boring. Last year, me and you, me and you stated this last week, uh, either on the walkthrough or last week's rewind. It's kind of boring covering a league where you have two dominant teams and the rest of the league is just, you know, fluttering like, oh, we can get in. Because last year you had Albany and Columbus that were just head and shoulders better than everyone else. Was it the excitement of it? You and I would get can more and more as we yeah. move forward this this week debate a little bit. Maybe we'll be a little more differentiating. We aren't, you know, picking the same. You know, mm-hmm. there's there's a lot there's a lot more of a, I'd say kind of just a big glob now of just uncertainty and mm-hmm. kind of question marks into each one of these contests. And I think you know if you're looking at if you're Carolina and Albany, I mean. For them, for their sake, that has that has to be a wake up call. And I know both of yeah. them are looking at this next one. And I know Coach Manas pinned this at like, their last matchup as the most important game of the season. I don't know, man. This one's kind of feeling a little we- weirder because not only do you have to take on that, you these two have to slug it out again. Which, if we're going to take a guess, it'll be a close contest again with someone whoever takes the possession lead possibly mm-hmm. coming out on top. But also now you got Jacksonville, Columbus. You know, I know Orlando lost close to Jacksonville, but they still have that firepower. San Antonio is good for an upset now. Any given week at this point, like there's a lot of things you got to worry about. Like the mid pack is kind of getting mad. It's not even like, it's not even, it's not even like a fringe mid pack. Now it's like a real messy mid pack of like what I call the mid pack. I guarantee our listeners know what I call the mid pack, the muck. Everyone's now the muck. Like it's literally. Carolina is a loss away of being in the muck. Albany's already in the muck. And San Antonio is one win away of being in the muck. Like, I know a lot of fans out there were like, oh, you're, you're Homer against this team. You're very Homer against that team. You don't like us. I want chaos. I love chaos. Isn't that the beauty it's, of the arena, though? That has chaos. <laughs> it, you, we saw two games that were decided early. In, actually, all three games were kind of decided. But they got really, two of them got really intriguing at the very end. They did, yeah. Because that's the arena game. You think it's all dominant, then in the last six minutes of the game, it's like, oh crap, all of a sudden that 30 point lead's now a 14 point lead. Like, to, like, oh, can we hold on to this thing? Um, yeah, that's one thing I like. I, I want chaos. Like, this week, you have the two top teams playing each other, then you have the two mid teams playing each other, then you have the bottom two teams playing each other. It could get really messy. And the yeah. muck could be really thick next week. Um, and that's what I like. I like chaos, and especially what you said about Albany. They got to get try to get one out of the three. Do you really – that getting swept by Carolina and becoming a 500 ball, team, ball club after last season? Kind of tough for Carolina. You lose. Yes, you have the season series win against Albany. But now Albany's back in first only by half a game because of the record-wise. But tiebreaker, you still own it. So if you tied with them with the even record when the season's said and done, they're tied. But it, Carolina gets it. Uh, it's just I just love it. I can't wait. There's just oh, yeah, more chaos. Know. Well, here's Albany. Here's the deal there. They got their remaining matchups after the Cobras. They're going to deal with the Lions, Gunslingers, and the Predators. Those are just their three opponents. But mm-hmm. out of the four weeks, those are their three. And – uh Two of the three clearly made adjustments to say, hey, um, we're done possibly being the bottom of the barrel. Um, mm-hmm. we, we've definitely heard frustrations of folks over in Columbus and how that season was starting to seem to take a turn. It's not. We'll get to no. that 
in a moment as we end the re- recap. Before we move on to the last look like, of the Saturday matchups here, I got to ask you, Jim. This is this is my question going to next week, and this is just for the Empire's sake. Mm-hmm. Now, it was kind of seemed like it was just because of the moment. Castronova gets pulled for Smith. Mm-hmm. You know, things were going right. Smith comes in, and they switch back to Sand. Controversy? Question mark? Yeah. I mean, the veteran versus the young gun. I mean, I like Sam early on, but I like I said, both of them. I like Sam. Sam, Sam started a... targeting Darius a little too much yeah. to my to what I'm seeing, you know? Like, I forgot. Watching that game just brought me vibes of looking at a lot of the NFL back in the day, like Carson, like Carson Palmer just targeting, you know, targeting Ocho Senko all the time. You saw, like, you keep going to other teams, like, like Philip Rivers and a very young freaking like Blaine Gabbard in Jacksonville that just kept throwing to the same receivers. Defense was finally find who you're throwing it to. Um, Sam is a great guy. We had him on the show. Uh, he still has not showed better than last year. Um, I think he just had a bad night. And secondly, I think Manos pulled the trigger a little too soon. Um, yeah, he was getting emotional for uh, some reasons or another, yeah. some that we mentioned earlier, but I don't want to yeah. get back into because um, I've had my share. <laughs> but Warren Smith is very capable of going there. And when he got in there, the offense clicked a little bit more and got more. It, it, it started to find itself. Um, but then you pull him out and put Castro back in for the fourth. I think that he just want either A, there is controversy, or B, Manos took him out. They say, hey, sit back, watch the game, calm down. And see what Warren Smith does to put Castanova back in to like settle to finish the game off. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what it kind of did. And when Sam got back in the game in the fourth quarter, they he then it's gonna be he was back to the same same Castanova from earlier in the year. I just think there's just a long travel, an awful loss. Um, Manas, um, who again, coaches don't like losing, but uh, the, the sure. defending champions, uh, are kind of walking wounded going in that game with a couple of key pieces missing. And I think he was just trying to find a spark somewhere. Um, but it could also be uh, Sam was just a little too off, was off. Um, but we don't know the mind of a coach, but usually coaches do those pull, pulls is to settle down the quarterback, let him say, hey, let the backup do this job and throw you back in later. Or he's just trying to find a spark in his team to get something going. He did a little bit there in the second and third quarter. It's just that San Antonio, they couldn't stop San Antonio. San Antonio was scoring oh, um, no, every time no. they were touching the ball. Defensively, I mean, there's still, those are questions you're going to have to ask yourself. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know if it's Magruder with his two-game suspension being an issue. I mean, they signed Marvin Ross, so that that was kind of to shore that up. You yeah. know, I my understanding is they've switched some things on how they run defensively. Like, I believe Darius Prince isn't really playing defense right now. They got him more moving back into a specialty role. Um, so he's good in that position. He's deep. Mm-hmm. he's still one of the front runners when Ironman, in my opinion. Even though that he may not be considered Ironman, he did early in the season. He did play both both sides of the ball. So Albany, like for all the Albany fans out there, you have a squad, you have a roster, you have a team, and you have the team that make a turnaround. It's just that you're going through a bad patch in the season, just like how Jacksonville went through all last year. You're used to winning. This is uncharted territory for this organization. And it's uh, panic and lights, like nothing to see here. And behind he's blowing up. In actuality, it's <laughs> not that. Uh, it's just very early. 
you're going to go. You're not going to win a champ. Hey, Albany fans, you're not going to win a championship every single season. So you're saying, um, is there smoking gun moment? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm laughing at that. Um, That's good. But it, it's they're good. They got a pivotal test that we'll talk about on Friday show yeah. uh, against Carolina. That um, it could very well determine who will be the team that hosts uh, at least a playoff game. And I actually put another team in a, a position where they might be a threat of not hosting a playoff Dang, game. Man. So I mean, you're talking about seeding uh, this next matchup. I, I think, I mean, you're, you're on to something more and more, man. Jacksonville yeah. one way or another, it's another they're finding team. ways to win. They're finding ways to win. They got, uh, they're getting it down. And this time it's weird. They did it on defense. First half. They just said, all right, we're going to hold Orlando to six points, six points, Jim. Them to six points. Now they almost they almost let it go. They almost let it slip away. I mean, they they sure seemed like it was going to be coming down to the wire, maybe overtime or something. But six points one in of, the first half. Yeah. One of our one of our listeners and one of our friends, uh Skyler, messaged us and said if Orlando did come back and win, it would have been the biggest uh collapse in Jacksonville Sharks history and also the largest collapse in NAL history. Uh, oh man. That's 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 how close it was. Um, but overall, Jacksonville's defense in the first half was just merciless. Uh, like Cato couldn't get anything done. Done. And Lonnie Outlaw was getting just. <sighs> I love all Lonnie. One of the greatest interviews we ever had on the show. Um, but he had a hard time against um, against Kelly, who was covering one on one. And Jacksonville. One thing I know about Jacksonville, the, even though. We got we let uh, Kenny Veal go. The receivers that played throughout the game are becoming very good DBs. They're they're playing. There's they're being more. They're keeping the opponent in front of them instead of having them free behind behind them. And I noticed that throughout the game. Second half rolled around and Cato found his groove. Beavers found his stuff and Orlando just started going and Jacksonville kept running into themselves penalties turnovers. And you got to give credit to Orlando's defense. They stepped up in the second half. One of the big things and one of the big crucial things is the what's the what's going on with Devin Wilson. He did go down yes. with an injury, and that's going to be a big question mark. But when he went down, a certain danger field stepped up. So when people say, oh, we lost them, one of the greatest, one of the best receivers in the uh, in the league, and I will retort on this place. He is the greatest NAL player and receiver ever play because he is number one in all the categories in the stats um but yeah big blow for Jacksonville. not getting a lot of information about that yet uh how it looked like it can either be this is speculation it's not fact it could be hyper extended knee it could be a, a pulled muscles it could be something he could have tore something or could have broke something so many things but how it looked on the field and if you if all ever jaguar sharks fan was a jaguar uh, every sharks fan um saw that and go oh yeah it's not looking good so for shark fans and for myself and for everyone in AL, we don't wish injuries on people and devin wilson is a class guy good guy multiple guests here on the show and it just hopefully it gets better but one thing i did like when he went down danger field stepped up and he had like two three he had three big catches and when he came back he started playing uh, in uh, devin's position that really made me feel like, you know what? Yeah, he, he's not a Devin Wilson, but he's a dang good receiver to a point where just a couple of weeks ago, we were like, Antoine Grant, Darius Prince, 
Dangerfield mm-hmm. on the same field together, the receiving core. I'm like, wow, that's that's incredible. And for Shark fans, he's like, oh, Dangerfield. Dangerfield was the leader receiver in in Jersey last year. We have him here, yes. But the question, I not a question. Every time everyone talks about Devin Wilson, get better, get healthy. Jacksonville has a team, and it revolves around number seven, Arvell Nelson. Since he has arrived at Jacksonville, Jacksonville is three and zero. Oh. Before him, one and four. So. Yeah, Damian May is still on the roster. They activated Mike Faithful. I still don't know what's going on with that. Um, nothing about Malik. I think Malik has a his hand injury is actually more severe than it's actually been reported. I don't know any other stats about that. But for Jacksonville's sake, you find a way to win. The, the good old saying in all sports, you'd rather have an ugly win than a heartbreaking loss. And Jacksonville was teeter-tottering on that and uh, when the final seconds of the game I was like, okay, Narville, you only got three seconds left. You got three seconds left. Just run, 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 get sacked. Take three seconds. What does he do? He runs, 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 and throws it deep. It's like, what the hell are you doing? And it's Dangerfield opening the end zone. I'm like, so they don't cover the receivers? Like, what's going on? Walk off. <laughs> I'm like, wow. Um, but yeah, it was a <clears throat> excuse me. It was a intriguing, it was a tale of two halves. Orlando is better than what they showed in the first half. And in the second half, they show what type of team they are. Yes, they're three and four, but they're not that far behind Jacksonville. Jacksonville has a quarterback now. And if you have a quarterback in a quarterback type of league, you're going to be in any game you play. Now, the benefits is that Jacksonville was home. This was in Orlando, and that comeback was going to, it was coming. I think the comeback would have been complete. But overall, Jacksonville's four and four, and the playoffs started today. They're that three seed. Right now, they'd be traveling to Albany at the start of the day. And Orlando would miss out by half a game behind Columbus. But overall, it was a tale of two halves. Jacksonville had a great first half. Looked like the Jacksonville back in 2019, 2017, and 2010. Like, every time they touched the ball, they were scoring touchdowns, and they were dominating their opponents. And then the second half, it was the 2021 Jackson Sharks. Like, couldn't score, couldn't move the ball, and was getting outright beat. And I was like, we're going to lose three in a row to Orlando. The epic worst loss in, uh, could have been the worst choke in franchise history against one of your rivals. They didn't happen. They held on, got a crucial win. They still got to play Orlando twice in the next three weeks. So when I said it's going to get chaotic or chaotic in Jacksonville, it's getting like that. And again, Devin Wilson's a big question mark, but I think Jacksonville has a good core still. They have Kelly. They have uh, Aquan Murray, they have Rob Jones, and now they have Danger Field. They still have a plethora of weapons as a receiving core and a quarterback and a future backup quarterback that has history of winning games in the arena ball. So for Jacksonville's sakes right now, am I more confident this week of them making the playoffs than I did a couple weeks ago? Yes, because of Arvell Nelson. Um, do I see them winning the rest of the games? I wish, but I don't. Um, they're going to find a way to stumble, possibly next week in Columbus. Um because that's another conversation that we're going to get into here pretty soon. I, it's just right now as a Sharks fan, got the win, happy, got back to 500 or got to 500 for the first time of the season, and we're four and four. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago we were 0 and three, and four we're four four and four. I could take that any day of the week. It was a good win, um, but for Shark fans right now, it's like yeah, we got the win, but Devin Wilson's on our mind, and I'm just trying to ease the you know the Sharks fans like let's buy out with. Got Dangerfield. 
got Rob Jones. We got Naquan Murray. We got Kelly. We're fine. We're fine. Kumbaya. So, yeah, that was a good win. But overall, Jacksonville uh, is, is starting the show. And, of course, uh, Barbara, uh, Barbara came in and made a crucial kick late into the second half. That was – I didn't think it was going to be a deuce, but it got over the bar. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, uh, it's a rivalry game, dude. And rivalry games, you can throw the record out of the book. You don't know what's going to happen. And Orlando proved that in the second half. They just ran out of time. And Jacksonville made crucial defensive stops in the second half uh, that were the determining factor. But so as a Sharks fan, I love the win. As a person who loves this game, it sucks seeing Devin Wilson on that questionable list from the rest from next this week and possibly through future weeks because he's such a dang good player, such a great guy in the community, and he's such a good symbol for the league and for the team itself. That's about all you can wrap it up there. Main thing I'm going to put is uh, kind of the wrap up right up on the uh, on this contest from Orlando's side of it. You know, Desmond Mas- Maxwell I think said it the best. Quote, this is not the Orlando Predators that fans have been seeing. And I don't, I think first half you could easily say the same. Um, I mean, I know Rakeem Cato is coming off an injury. We weren't even sure if he was going to be playing. Uh, his status was changed to probable just before that contest. It was questionable yeah. when we had recorded. So, you know, I think that they just wanted to get him in. Obviously, they saw what they got in full for last week. No offense, but he needed some work. And I think that with Jacksonville being the way they are right now and with how the standings are shaking out, you have to put your best foot forward at this moment. I think it's go time. Uh, Columbus, I think even more so now with what they've adjusted with Daniel Smith, being able to deliver and be able to be a competent passing, uh, getting a competent passing attack now for the likes of Townsend force and Reese and company, you know, you want to be able to take wins when you can. And this is a crucial series. I think for the playoffs, three matchups against the sharks, you know, in the coming weeks, two of the next three are going to be against Jacksonville. So you want to get these wins. We can and win the season series. Um, didn't put their best foot forward first half. Got to give the sharks plenty of credit again, defensively uh, multiple four and outs, a fumble for six right on the gate. I mean, that's never going to go your way. You don't want to give up a possession and a touchdown in one quick swoop mm-hmm. in arena, especially um, four and outs alone are just deadlier too. And with how Arvell has been playing, it just compounds the issues. Now credit one thing Arvell Nelson is, was known for when I watched him in the AFL. Um, and one thing I'll say that he has had some moments in the NAL, you can get some interceptions off him per game. That is the one thing. If you're going to play Jacksonville, you got to be able to keep up and you got to wait for a mistake. Generally, at least one I've noticed you'll get every game. It's just, you have to be able to, you know, use it to your advantage and you have to keep the gas Oh, hit to keep your foot on the pedal. Otherwise, Jacksonville is going to be able to hang tough with you all night. That's how it goes. Uh, Orlando might want to take that back with them because they had chances. Simple as that. They have a roster that can keep up. And I get I get your point, especially with Lonnie out on them. We've talked about this. Their secondary has seemed like it has been trying to learn on the fly in a way as it's gone through the year. Felt like this was another learning moment for them. Second half, they tightened up really well. Again, got some questionable throws that were picks for Arvell. Uh, did a decent job. One thing the Sharks did really well that kind of, I think, also killed the Predators from coming getting a comeback, like you talked, they didn't allow any deep passes. It was dink and dunk. You had to... You had to grind down the field every one of those drives in the second half. And they did it, but that clock, as we know, it keeps her running. Mm-hmm. And you got to be able to score quick. I mean, you can get to the one-minute warning, 
But of course, if Jacksonville gets the ball and they do what they did, where they get a half yard and the clock keeps going, they don't get you know negative yardage or incompletions or anything like that, then that's all she wrote. I mean, they yep. just ran out of time. Twenty six points down. It's hard to come back from in any league. Um, Orlando's going to be thinking about this, but they'll have time. Gunslingers, tough matchup. Again, they've been, they've been close meetings each one of these times against San Antonio. So it should be a fun game when we talk about it later on. Uh, I mean, don't like you're talking though, this is their week. Don't overthink it. <laughs> you don't want to trap game is uh maybe is it even a trap game anymore. If they, if they're getting close games or playing you tight, I don't know. Like I'm just saying, if you're overthinking going to Jacksonville next week, going back to shark tank, it's like trap game yeah. inbound. <laughs> Watch out. <laughs> 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 I pulled out the trap game one week, and then all of a sudden it's like, hey, we're going to do this is continuous. Like, okay, I see how we do it. All right. <laughs> I know. And then, and then you got this week as we wrap up. I mean, you know, Jacksonville's going to play Columbus, and I, as we now both know, um, you know, we got talked by folks that are closer to the team as we're going into this week. It's like, hey, new signings we got. They look good. We might surprise some people. You know, I'll, we talked about Tommy Neely. And it wasn't him. It wasn't him. And I, part of it is I just didn't do due diligence and, t- and click on Daniel Smith's name that says quarterback yeah. under the listing when you go on the transactions. It's one of those things. Just got to do a little more and deep dive from, and check. They're both from Miles College, too. So mm-hmm. nonetheless, Daniel Smith, he had a day. If this was the NFL and it was social media team, he had a day. Mm-hmm. Man was able to find everything he wanted. Uh, Townsend, another guy had a field day dude was the dude. I think was the, was really the player of the game for this regard. Kenny Starks comes back as a hell of a defensive effort. I mean, it was like the lions were just like, this team was like, okay, we are QB. We are fed up with this garbage. We've been putting out on the turf lately. It's time to go and uh, shake up a few things. They, they, that's yep. exactly what they did. They, they had a pack did, yeah. in there and they just came to play. Like Carolina was not present. Whatever they brought with them from Greensboro did not get off the bus because it was that is not the same Cobras team I have been watching for seven weeks prior. It was atrocious. I'm not even going to hold back. And I mean, Coach Rez knows has has to have known that. You could tell Jonathan Bain all night just frustrated beyond belief. Whether it was just you know get shoestring sacks, you know miscues defensively, they just were getting outmaneuvered on the turf. You know. It was just a complete mess. I, I Carolina was discombobulated in all phases and had no right to be in this game <laughs> whatsoever. It just was not their night. It you you brought up the like whatever they left, they brought when they came to Columbus and forgot something in uh, Greensboro. Someone mentioned that in the chat and one on the game. It goes, I think they went to a rest area and forgot the actual team, the rest area, and showed up <laughs> to the Columbus. And I'm like that's harsh. And I realized who said it. I'm like, Oh, that's a Carolina fan that said that uh, um, us army Rangers in town. Uh, we'll throw them on the field. Uh, get the guys it was, that went under off from the roof Raptors yeah. and some uniforms and out you go. <laughs> I was just surprised how Carolina was manhandled. Like Columbus just owned this game from the get. They, they were physical. No, there was no comeback for Carolina. This game was one-sided from the beginning to the end. And 
it's something that we didn't see from Carolina this year. Yeah, we saw the close loss of Jacksonville, but they've always been the team that was clearly the better opponent, clearly out-physical their opponents besides Jacksonville. Um, that was pretty even. This game, they look like they just were going through the motions. And maybe because they just came off of a, a game in Albany that was bigger and they needed it. And then this was a letdown game against Columbus to a quarterback situation that they it was a question mark with Darren Daniel and Alvin Smith. Um, I think Carolina, you don't want to say it, but I think they were ill-prepared in this game. Um, they thought, hey, we're Carolina, we're 6-1, and one, we're the best team in the league. Uh, we just came off being Albany, who we think is the, best, the, other, the best team in the league. They went down to Columbus. Columbus had a great show in stands this week. And I don't know what Gibson did. I don't know what this team did. But that Columbus team was completely different than that team that played in Jacksonville a couple weeks ago, that played in Orlando just the prior week. The different Columbus Lions team. That team that I saw this past week is the Columbus Lions team that we have seen every single season under Jason Gibson here in the National League. Four, they're four and three and three, 500 back in the mix. They're technically tied with Jacksonville. Jacksonville has a tiebreaker because of, uh, because of point differential. Mm-hmm. Um, they're one and one crucial game this week. Uh, that would be determination of that tiebreaker. And I don't know. Uh, the receivers were catching Fortson was doing Townsend was being doing Townsend things. They did a couple of special team uh, kick returns. Um, it was just a game that I was like, this is the Columbus team that we ex- expected from week one. Now, I know Columbus fans, and I know some of our colleagues that we were associated with, um, I kind of kind of joked, made you jokes, like I think Bane was blinded going one direction um, because of a reflection in this end zone. Um, <laughs> but but the one thing is uh, <laughs> unique in this game is that I like seeing Columbus like this. This is Columbus football. Aggressive defense. They're going to pretty much out-physical you on the line scrimmage, which they did, and their offense scored with consistency. I had to rub my eyes. I was like, is that Mason back there? What, what's going on? The team was consistent. Smith came in and looked like he's been with the Columbus Lions for 10 years. That offense looked like it was humming, and they beat the number one team in the league, Carolina, and just didn't beat them. They took them behind the woodshed and like, uh-uh. welcome to Carolina, welcome to Columbus. This is our house, and they did it. Well, and- Smith, one, one, the main thing that he brought to this is he brought some, he brought at least a little more, I would mobility. say, mobility. Um, a little more, he was a little more quick on the draw. You know, passes were getting out there. If it was a quick swing, that thing was getting out there. There was no delay. There was it was pretty much a. There's no how do I put it? Not inconsistency. There was no stuttering. There, it was oh. you, he knew what he wanted to do. You know, they, it was, it, it was a very much a focused mental game plan yeah. on how they wanted to execute this against, against yeah. the Columbus lions. And they yeah. had receivers that were getting open and making plays when needed. You, got it. <laughs> you know, it, exactly. Well, you know, you have a talented Ironman roster as we have mm-hmm. talked about 
with any team though, any football team, especially in arena, you got to have a QB that has to deliver in those narrow with those narrow throwing angles. And of course, over the top, he was able to do it and has to be a little athletic too. If you need to, I mean, come on, that's that spinning throw to from on the right side, you know, kind of going off the sideline. We thought the thing was dead on arrival. He was going to get hit out of bounds. I mean, it's a touchdown. Uh-huh. You know, that was one of the highlights of the weekend in the league itself. I, I, I was impressed. You know, that, that's got to be, that's a great sign. And again, adds more parody. I, 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 I like covering parody. I like, I like crazy. This, yeah. this makes me think, oh boy, every week now, like if, as long as Smith keeps playing at this level, as long as mm-hmm. teams aren't uh, finding ways to catch on, maybe see any tendencies he's given off. You know, maybe his first game, first game, just uh game plan wasn't fully there. You know, we'll find out. But yeah. if this is what we're going to see the rest of the way, Oh, buckle up, buckaroos. Things are going to get wild. Welcome to the chaos. That's what I wanted, man. I wanted total chaos in late June and July. I didn't want this to be a top-heavy league. Still can be a top-heavy league. It might not be the team that we think they are. There could be two teams that take one and two that at one point weren't the one and two team. But there's one thing I want to add about Smith. Like how they brought Darren Daniel in. Darren Daniel wasn't an active player at that time. He was still in Columbus. He was a coach. I think he's a coach or a car salesman. But he was still being athletic, but he wasn't active. Smith played for another league this season, so he just came right in. So he was still in midseason form. So that, I think that's what benefit Columbus as well. And now Smith just adds into the chaos that I want in late June and in July, which I think we're going to get. And I just, you know, as a fan of this game, it's one thing about arena football. It's not fun when there's separation. It's fun when everything's chaotic and we're getting that. And we kind of a, ate delivered kind of accordion, you know, went yeah. back, went out and it came right back in. Yeah. You yeah. Know, how far back go, into uh, it before we get yeah. the stroke again? That's all. That's what I'm waiting on. <laughs> you know, what comes back out to the other side of that yeah. uh, compression? Um, I hope everyone yeah, gets what I'm talking about. <laughs> that's all I'm going to leave oh, it at. Accordion. Yeah. The older population would know what you're talking about, by the way. Um, I have an musicians old will, yeah. Um, so to the kids out there, you can feel your um, your flip phones and all, so that shows you my age. Uh, but overall, week eight delivered, gave us chaos. I was right on one predict. We were both wrong with Columbus. Uh, I'm happy to be wrong about Columbus. It just makes this this week coming up on final walkthrough more intriguing because these three games are just not pivotal. They're crucial. Is this either going to make the pack thicker or we're going to probably see a movement of two teams back at the top tier of the thing? Still, chaos. San Antonio. Um, the reason why I picked y'all is because I had a agreement slash uh, invisible handshake with the fan base that I don't think they knew there was a handshake. I, you still owe me some breakfast tacos. Um, <laughs> DM me <laughs> for my email. Um but no, that's all good. But San Antonio, congratulations on your first win in the National Arena League. Congratulations for the good showing in Freeman Coliseum. Really appreciate it. John Wayne Group, guys of awesome. Uh, that was a great uh, show for their first official home game as an ownership group. I can't wait to the next home game. Got crucial matchups. Columbus back on the winning edge. Jackson survives in Duval in a crucial game in Columbus. And now we got Chapter 3 between the Albany Empire and the Carolina Cobras this week. Will there be a sweep? Or does Albany at least get one from the Cobras? I'm Jim Renier. That's Zach Cowan. Before we leave, remember one thing.
always look for a competitive schedule and don't be a jack out of the box. Hey, it could be the decision between a win or a loss. Keep that in mind. Technically, yeah, I can. That's five-year penalty. But anyways, let's <laughs> find us on socials at Pod, and we'll catch you guys tomorrow on the final walkthrough.